So welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you got King Javon here. We got Santiago and Craig Mac. So we got another episode. Um, welcome back. One of the things we're going to be covering today, just to give you an overview, we're going to be covering mental health. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, May, it's a great month. Hopefully it'll be a little bit more warmer, but it is what it is. Um, but I want to give you all some information on us. You can always send us some shout outs, comments, suggestions, compliments, you know, how it is. Uh at who hurt you eight four seven at Gmail. So if you ever think of something you want us to talk about, subject matters, me and the guys are always available. Just send it to us. One of us will check it. We'll shout you out. Uh if you don't want your name known, just put an alias though. <laughs> so with Mental Health Awareness Month, we're gonna be talking about two specific things. We got depression, which is a serious thing that especially millennials are dealing with. And we're going to talk about that as well. Like, what is millennials? Because we're all kind of sick of all three of us are millennials and we're sick as fuck of people steady, like, comparing us to this other generation that's behind us. Facts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We also got anxiety. Um, And anxiety is a serious thing. I know a lot of times depression and anxiety go hand in hand. But there are some differences that we will talk about today. So, how you gentlemen doing? I know we're living in COVID nineteen times. Um, so, how, I want to check in with you all. Make sure y'all start checking in, viewers, with your friends, families, because right now with Mental Health Awareness Month, as well as like we're all living in odd times, you want to make sure that people you care about are doing well. Yeah, man, I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, I mean, I was able to you know open up a little bit and tell you guys that like, it was getting a little rough, man. You, you can't really do much. Uh, I was getting excited about trips to the grocery store, man. So, uh, <laughs> so I mean, things up Walmart club, Walmart, boy, it was busting. Uh, <laughs> but like, any, any reason to get out of the house, but otherwise I'm there, I'm back here. And even then you can't like stand and talk to nobody. Like I saw somebody, uh, like at the, uh, at the store I was at yesterday and I was able to tell who it was by like even with their mask on, and I couldn't go talk to them because I was like, like I can't even stand around and have a conversation with because other people are gonna be walking by, and and we were in an aisle, and it's just like it just it all seems in bad taste. And but other than that, you know, I just be needing some human interaction. I'm an extrovert, so I, I be trying to talk to people. Make the most of the times, like you said, when I'm out at the grocery store. Or just go for a run around my neighborhood, just you know, get some sun, everything like that. So I'm doing better in a better headspace. That's awesome. I mean, a lot of times I know that people aren't able to uh, get to the grocery stores, and some people need to help them out. So that's another thing that our viewers do that for your loved ones and your family. Like, look out for them. You never know how, what they're going through. Uh, one of the things today, we also have a special guest. It's our first guest, which is dope. Um, so yep. yes. <laughs> You'll get to stop hearing just us three. Even though y'all love Dom- to hear us, quit playing. <laughs> right. <laughs> y'all have we're gonna have Dominique in. She's gonna share her story. Um, she has a beautiful story um of her life as well as like what she has dealt with in the form of mental health. I'll let her share more on her details as she come in. Um so look forward to her. We're gonna check in with her soon. So I do wanna start off by asking gentlemen even before covid what would you say like 
your experience with depression and what would you say depression is in your farm as well as like what is anxiety like the forms that you have to deal with it I'll, she was to define it or like, like how we uh i want you to define it far as like your own definition i know there's 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 hella book definitions right, right now <laughs> um the definition that most people know is that somebody's is just sad, but it's more to that because all of us have dealt with depression a little bit differently, but similarly. So how about you share your side? For sure. Craig, as well as like, give us some insight of like what you had to deal with. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. So, uh, go for it. For sure. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, as far as depression goes, um, like I've dealt with that on a few occasions, and uh, something I had mentioned when we were, you know, doing our uh, breakdown session was that uh, there's there were times in my life that I hadn't realized it was what I was going through, and I kind of wrote it off because I was, I mean, even I'm sure some of you guys can attest to it. Like mental health wasn't taken as seriously as it uh, has been in recent years, and you know I got my education on what mental health was from you know like watching TV or 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 even from a parent or family member that have limited information on it. And I'm like, oh, that's uh, that's what that's what white people get. That's what, like, rich kids get. They're, oh, he's he's clinically depressed. Like, like it's something that you can kind of, like, scoff at and laugh about. But uh, but in reality, people really do deal with it, and it's a, a chemical imbalance in your brain that, uh, that actually changes uh, your outlook on life, your behavior, your patterns. And, uh, like, once I had called it what it is in my life, uh, I've dealt with it significantly after the, the car accident um, when I had gotten my DUI because I was worried that it made me a bad person uh, to do that. And all the things I had seen, you know, uh, don't drink and drive, you drink, you drive, you lose. And I'm like, oh, man, so now I'm a, I'm a loser and I'm a bad person. And, like, I'm never getting my life back on track. Or the reality of knowing that what it would take to get my life back on track would be so grueling and, and frustrating and it – and I didn't even fathom that it was going to be as bad as it was. I was thinking that it would be bad, but it ended up being pretty much a, a worse uh, nightmare come to life. And just living through it every day, I was, I was kicking myself like, man, like every time I think I'm out of the woods, like I, I'm, ju- I'm just not. And so it's either never coming, or by the time it does, I'll be so burnt out, I'll probably have killed myself. And 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 that's what it comes to because the 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 feeling of hopelessness kind of looms over you like i know it seems simple but in the the commercials for one of those uh antidepressants like it shows like depression as a cloud or like like a little like being that like creeps up on you and like the moment you think you're okay and, and a little bit better and like you're moving toward where you want to be to get back to uh just above water it just like the cloud shows up and the storm hits or the, the little being pops out and, and hops on your back or, or you get pulled back down underwater. I'm big on metaphors. If you guys can't tell. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I mean, that's it, just a, a very real representation of how I feel uh, would describe yeah. what depression is. And so, um, like I mentioned, when, when I would have little bouts with it, it would, it would creep up on me. And I had, I had no idea to call it that. I was like, Oh man, like I'm just kind of bummed out, you know, like this sucks. And I even do it now. I, I, I don't call it what it is because I don't want to get back into that feeling or even call it uh, what it is to make it real. But once I, I remember like being at my, uh, my 
the house I was living in at college, and I was like, dude, like I think I'm depressed, like because I and I was taking a psych class too, so that like that actually helped me uh, to to focus what it was and and to be real with myself, and so uh, that's that's pretty much what my piece would be on. And uh, as far as anxiety goes, very different. <laughs> like you said, like they go hand in hand, but uh, they're similar in ways that uh, that let them guide into one another. And the effect you have, like, like I would literally think that other, like, <laughs> if you ever been anxious smoking weed, anxious when you ain't smoking is even worse. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you, you you get paranoid and like be like, oh, like. I wonder if someone sort of thinks this about me and in your mind when, because you don't have something like we need to blame it on. It's like, you know, that to be the truth, even if it's not it, your reality has changed so significantly because of what the, like the demons in your own mind, like that, that tell you, Oh, like, like, like you're not good enough to be here. Like, like you can't, you can't do this. Like all your insecurities that you dull out are on 1000. Like you, you are so awkward, dude. How are you gonna even like go in there and talk to them? And and I was having, as a high confidence person, I was having issues with like even like like having a normal conversation with somebody I've known for years. Because I'm like, oh well, man, they they're just talking to me out of pity. Like like they don't even have to be my friend. And and I was just everything that I thought I deserved uh, went out the window, and I felt like I didn't. And yeah, just your sense of self worth goes goes completely down. And uh, like that's that's what I deem anxiety to be in my life Definitely. by my own experiences. Man, that's I really appreciate that sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that everybody's story is a little bit different, and all of our stories going to be similar in some capacity. But everybody's story dealing with it is different. I really appreciate it. How about you, Patrick? What would you say your battles um, that you experience with? depression and anxiety and what would you say depression and anxiety looks like for you um even defining it okay for me uh, i'll start with the defining it a uh, similar definition i would say what uh, craig said as far as it's just something that kind of creeps up like you can be in the happiest moment of your life whatever that is for whatever people for me it was winning a, a track meet or something and then you just get this overwhelming feeling of I'm just worthless, but you could have just been standing on a stage because you won first place. And for me, um, depression was something that I didn't really even, I couldn't recognize it. And even when I did recognize it was more denial. Like I can't have that. My life hasn't been bad enough to be a depressed person. You know, I have family that loves me, so I can't be depressed. Not realizing that just because you have all those things, you have your own life as well. So there's there's things that happen within that that you can get depressed. And, you know, being a black man, and you guys can probably attest to this as well, um, that's not something that's really talked about, you know, in most families. Or if it's brought up, it's like, no, you're fine. Just be happy. It's like, oh, man, <laughs> why didn't I think about that? But so depression for me was something that it took me a while to even recognize. And then when, it, when I did recognize it, it took me a while to even um, get out of denial that I had it. And it got so far and so bad that I will have moments because as an extrovert myself as well, where I'm just life of the party and I'm working on everybody, making sure everybody else is good. But you know how they say, like, the people who are smiling are the people you really need to check on. That's absolutely true, at least 
in my case. So for me, it led to a situation where, you know, I thought of, you know, harming myself and I never really went through it or even went to the point where it was like, a, you know, attempt or anything, but you just mm-hmm. wonder when you get those ideas in your head that it's not about necessarily, at least for me, it wasn't about I wanted to die or anything like that. It wasn't any of that. It was just like, well, I want to stop feeling like this and I don't know what else to do. So this has got to be the most logical option for me at this point. So um, one of my friends, she doesn't know this, but back in like 2018 was probably like the lowest moment, but probably the best moment of my life too, because getting as low as I did it forced me to recognize a lot of things within my depression. I didn't deal with childhood trauma, watching some friends die and just being like, it's okay and going about my day. And um, one of my friends, I'll leave her name out of it, but she ended up calling me one day because I was like really, really, really like down. And I'm not one to reach out to people. You know, I just feel like that's a weak thing. I, I, I felt like at the time that that was weak. So I didn't reach out to people to say exactly how I was feeling. Because again, as a black man, you just think like, oh, we're not supposed to do therapy. We're not supposed to do this or that. We're supposed to just deal with our issues and be a man, quote unquote. And um, she ended up calling me just randomly talking about like, let's go to eat or something. It was late at night, but I was like, nah, just come over here, whatever. But she ended up seeing that there was something wrong. Like she could sense it, even though, you know, I was putting up a, you know, a wall and the shield and but she could see something was wrong. And that night, you know, you know, I would say, no, since I broke down, not completely in front of her, but broke down enough for what we talked. And, um, you know, I broke down later by myself and realized that there was a lot of stuff that I had to do with um, focusing myself specifically with my depression because I didn't realize how bad it gotten because I was always so focused on making sure everybody else was good and everybody else was happy. But I didn't take the time to take care of my own mental health. And within that anxiety came into play because again, they're different, but they go hand in hand. And with me being the extrovert and me liking to talk to people, it was just hard because I would always think worse stuff in my head than it actually was. Like I would think, oh, if I say this, somebody's not going to like me because of this, this or that. If I do this, they're not going to like me. If I do this, they're going to judge me this way. So I, there was a lot of times where I was just silent on how I felt about things and I just internalized a lot of feelings, which I didn't think was a, I didn't think it was a big deal to realize how much stuff I was internalizing and how different things are when you, you are more vocal about you, about how you feel about things. So for me, that's, you know, the short version of how it affected me in my childhood. For sure. For sure. I really appreciate that. I would say for me, um, I probably, out of us, I know we all took different psychology classes, but by quote-unquote educational mm-hmm. training that uh, I will be in the education of, like, psychology. That's kind of what I did in college, just to get the viewers a little <laughs> sneak. Um, <laughs> um, so for me, I I recognized I had depression a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. not because of school or anything, but because of, in previous episodes, you heard me mention about things about uh, the type of mom I had. And when I was younger, um, my mom did put me in therapy. Uh, I had a, a lot of anger built mm-hmm. up. So when I define, like, depression, 
it, it comes in different forms. You have different emotions. Um, some people have strictly anxiety and they can relate that back to their depression. Me, I had a lot of anger. Um, I wouldn't let my sadness, I would let my anger overrule mm-hmm. sadness. If that yeah, makes it sense. does. And especially as a, like you were just saying, Patrick, especially as an African-American male, my upbringing was thinking that, hey, I got to be strong. I don't show no weaknesses. I'm dominant. I'm a man, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that that's an issue within itself, which we'll probably cover at a later episode, which is toxic. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but because of that, my anger took over. And that's kind of what led my mom to say, like, I need to get you in therapy. Um, in previous episodes, you also heard me mention, like, I didn't really have my dad mom had cancer, things like that. So I was just a sad kid, I guess, <laughs> growing up. Um, I didn't have anybody to really like depend on or those type of things. So you can see it in my facial expressions, I guess, for people around me. Um, and you can also see it in my like demeanor. I was more reserved and then I would just flip out about anything. So I went to a therapist pretty young. Um, probably I started therapy at like seven, eight years old, which I didn't understand why I was going to talk to somebody. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to talk about myself. What do I know at seven, eight years old? Um, and that's kind of when I first got exposed to, quote unquote, clinically being diagnosed with like depression. <laughs> uh, she was a decent therapist, I guess. Um, I don't remember it much, but I clinically got diagnosed with depression. Talking through it helped in different ways, but it didn't alleviate when I went home. Um, and I think that's one of the big things like you were just covering, Patrick, like you, you can talk about it and it may feel better, but at the end of the day, you still got to go back to your own environment, your own home and deal with the same issue. I got a question for you. Um, um, I, I also, you know, did therapy for a little bit. Uh, I just, uh, for you, did you, you said you started when you were a child, so maybe you have a different uh, perspective, but did it matter who you were talking to? like the, the, how the person looked or what their status was, you know, within society, did that matter at all to you? Or did you think about that in that regard? I think I could barely remember back then, but I'm yeah, trying to, but I can't remember some things. Cause I remember the same therapist following me up into my early teens. So I can remember that I felt like, because I had a white therapist. A white? Obviously, none of us are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> none of us on this show have anything against yeah, We like race. making fun of y'all. We want to make that very clear. <laughs> want to make that very clear. But I didn't think she could understand. Mm. And uh, it was a woman and she was white. So those are two, you know, not trying to say strikes against her, but how can I really open up to somebody kind of trying to answer your question, Patrick? How can I really open up to somebody who has the status of like privilege in some forms as well as like how can I really open up to somebody that's a woman who's not putting the same pressure as a man not saying that women are any lower no but you're just uh, looking for somebody who seemed more relatable because believe it or not most of us get more comfortable and we tend at least in my perspective or we tend to when we feel like we're relatable or we we feel very comfortable with somebody we tend to divulge more stuff than we did if we felt I wouldn't say complete opposite, but if we didn't feel that they were as relatable. 
So I, I definitely see. And the reason why I asked that question is because that's actually one of the reasons I went through three ter- therapists before I found one that I thought could really relate to me. And it was no fault to them. I'm sure they were fantastic at their job. They were great, but there was, excuse me, about to cough. Um, there was a aspect of, you know, the depression and anxiety that I had that I didn't bring up because I had the the three. They were um, Caucasian, older women, like in their fifties, that I didn't feel like they would understand. Right. And part of that was, I have this, this, and this to deal with, and then on top of that, I'm a black man. And, you know, people have their own opinions and stuff on that. And I felt me sharing that with them, they could understand from a therapist standpoint, but they couldn't understand as being black or being a black man. So I didn't really open up or divulge that part of it, which now that I'm thinking about it kind of forced me or had me not really tell everything when I was talking to them because I felt like they couldn't relate to me. Yeah, and that's easy for them to diag- misdiagnose you too because you don't you feel like how could they possibly understand? Right. Uh, which in some cases I get like like they might not understand what it's like when when you walk in around with uh, when you're not a stereotypical black person and you walk through a hood that you're not used to being in, like how people look at you like mm-hmm. they might be like oh like maybe you just having like anxiety and it's like no like it's directly related to the fact that I'm there and I'm not used to being there and they know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But exactly. they know your, your Yeah, they're like, oh, he's not from here at all. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Yeah. I will say that that's a good point. That brings me, like, brings some thoughts to my head about what you were just saying, like, older and, and misdiagnosed. Because to shed some light on that is that when I was going through that anger and things like, the feelings of those emotions, but I was really depressed. Um, I did, there was a school psychiatrist or psychologist, mm. sorry. Yeah. Things. <laughs> <laughs> um, a school psychologist who was there. Um, she was just like you described, older white woman, had privilege and everything else. And when I went to talk to her, because obviously they want you to see somebody if they feel like you are angry or trouble, whatever, um, when you're in school, she said that some, a few things that she took away when her report was generated on me was that I was going to be probably in prison. I was going to have a high probability of going to jail or prison and spending a good amount of my life in there. I was not going to go to college. I was not going to, uh, graduate high school. I was going to be ended up being a dropout. Um, and I had no respect for authority, and I would not be successful, obviously. So that was her diagnosis. Yeah, she or, was crushing her you know, job. Her, what the hell? Her, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but I don't want to call it a diagnosis, but her yeah, evaluation exactly. of me being that I'm an angry, quote-unquote, angry black male, which is, you know, instead of just <laughs> I'm depressed. <laughs> like, she thought, look, this is who he is, and this is who he's going to turn out to be. Obviously you two know me and you know that's the total opposite right. of who I became. But in her eyes, I mean, and some days I honestly be like, man, I wish I could find I don't want to say her name. I almost slipped it out. But I wish I could find this particular doctor and be like, hey. Look, B, now uh, look at me. Like, look at me. <laughs> I've been to jail once and I got hey, bread. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> what's, like, up? what's up? <laughs> so, um, that's a great point, Patrick, and it's, 
and crack. I mean, the misdiagnosis, especially like with depression and the unrelatability that somebody will often have because they can't connect with you, not saying that they're a bad person, but I can't understand something that somebody else of a different um, culture, ethnicity, I wouldn't be able to go to China and be like, I understand Chinese culture completely. I know how to tell them when they're wrong or right or how they're feeling. None of us can do that. So this is some things that I've dealt with with depression, my anxiety. Uh, I would say I have social anxiety. I mean, even when we go to the bars, I mean, these two guys have seen it. I'll get, like, quiet while they're, like, talking, and I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) But, (laughs) and I'm the most quietest one. I mean, it may not seem like it on the show now, but you will notice that I'm the most quietest one (laughs) in the uh, group here. But, we've all dealt with different things. I think we have our guest on, Dominique. Hey, Nick. Hey, Hey, hey. Dominique. (laughs) What's up? (laughs) So we got Dominique on, uh, our special special. guest, our first guest. So we got to show her some love. (laughs) (laughs) She's our first guest. So, I mean, what they say, like, you like a newborn to us. Yes, she's the first one. (laughs) So, Dominique, we were just talking about um, dealing with Mm -hmm. depression and anxiety. And we were going to, we share with the viewers that... You were going to share your story and yeah. your outcomes. Um, oh, God, where do I even start? <laughs> um, so I was officially diagnosed when I was 16 um, with borderline personality disorder, um, which is, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, just a more extreme version of bipolar. Um, and... They wanted me on medication, which I refused because I'm stubborn. (laughs) Um, And I was, it got a lot worse before it got better, obviously. Was in a really, really bad place mentally for a few years. And Pat can be a witness to this. Um, But yeah, I went through the whole nine yards. I had two attempted suicides I used to be a cutter um thankfully I have overcome that and I think as cliche as it sounds um it really is um a mental thing like you have to put in work to not succumb to those thoughts if that makes sense like I'll have days where I'll wake up and I'm like I'm in a really crappy mood today and I don't know why, and I can either dwell on that and let my whole day be crappy, or I can just kind of, you know, like, work out, you know, play with my kids, do something to, like, snap myself out of it, because the more you dwell on it, the worse it gets, and I think that's um, the biggest thing that I've learned is that I can't let, like, let myself feel it, get over it, but don't dwell on it, if that makes sense. That's an awesome way to think about it. Would you say that your um, kids have helped you uh, navigate when you having those bad oh, days? Oh, tremendously. What do you think that's Absolutely. Like- There's even, like, I'll have, like, a, 
complete shitty day at work. Oh, am I allowed to swear? I'm sorry. You are. Um, <laughs> you I have wrong. a really bad day at work. Um, and <laughs> the second I see them, it's like it instantly melts away and nothing else matters um, except being with them. So I think they definitely have helped a lot. They've also been my motivation to keep it together, if that makes sense. You know, and I don't want to go back to where I was. I have come a very long way and um, they definitely help with that for sure. So we back. We did have some technical difficulties. For some reason, the coronavirus is messing up our phone line <laughs> since we all in, in different lo- locations. Uh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> that COVID is like something else. Um, so how we fixing this problem? Uh, we did a bootleg thing. We going to pretty much ask Dominic the questions that Patrick have because Patrick's mic is, you know, Patrick wants to be bougie and get us a brand new mic and mm-hmm. it's not working. So we're going to get your his questions answered because I'm sure y'all are probably going to have some of the similar questions as Patrick because Patrick seems to be an intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. So I know he sent them to you, Dominique. So how about you read them to us and then go ahead and answer. Okay. So the first question is, um, what are some things that parents could do to help their kids that are going through depression that you got as a child or you wish you got? Um, to answer that, um, I on as cliche as it sounds, I think communicate with your parents without them judging you is a very big thing. Um, growing up, I didn't really feel like my parents were my safe place. Um, sorry, sorry to put y'all on blast. Love you. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, my biological father and I are no longer on speaking terms, but when we were, I was growing up, I never really felt like I had a safe place with them. And like, if I did try to talk to him about how I was feeling, it was more, you know, get over it. Don't think about it. You'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. That kind of thing. So I think, especially with my boys, because I know there's this very big, um, you know, macho vibe that they'll feel like they'll have to live up to but I just want to make sure that with my kids I they know that no matter what it is they can talk to me about it you know and I want to make sure that I teach them that it's okay to feel angry it's okay to feel sad it's okay to have bad days it doesn't make you a weak person it doesn't make you less than you know we're human I saw this quote once and I loved it and it says um to make sure that you get you drink your water and get some sunshine because we're basically um, house plants but with more complicated emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I like that one. Thank you. Yeah, I love that one too. Uh, Patrick said, "What are some positive coping ways that you use or continue to use that have gotten you to this positive point with your mental health?" Um, gardening. It has become my outlet so to speak um i in the summer i have a huge garden i have a lot of indoor house plants and even taking 10 15 minutes at the end of the day when the boys are asleep um having that little bit of time to myself is kind of like my sanctuary um it's very calming for me so that helps me a lot um that and like i said earlier my boys have been a real big factor in it too that's awesome. I really uh, appreciate you sharing those things. Do you have any questions for Craig? Um, 
I know you said uh, you're dealing with uh, with bipolar uh, depression. Mm-hmm. Am I catching that? All right. Uh, so I guess, how did it seem like like one ran right into the other, or or how it may have felt like compounded? Because I know a lot of people that uh, go around with undiagnosed uh, bipolar disorder, and and they just categorize it as, oh, I'm just like I'm crazy, and then they never get checked out. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of highs and lows. So, um, before I officially got diagnosed, there were, I would have even months, um, going where I was, you know, happy and thriving. And then all of a sudden I would just have really, really bad lows where nothing would make me happy. Um, and I was just in a really bad place mentally. Um, and then there was days where like one day I would be super, super low. And then the next day I would literally just wake up with anxiety for no reason whatsoever. Like I would just wake up like that and then be anxious the entire day. Oh, Um, so it wasn't, uh, like super like happy and like things are going more like awesome. and, And then all of a sudden back down. No, I mean, sometimes there were triggers where I would be in a good place and then all of a sudden, you know, something would trigger it and I would have a bad day or two. But for the most part, it was it was a lot of back and forth. And I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing is because with depression, you want to stay in bed and do nothing at all. And then with anxiety, you know, you have to go, go, go constantly to keep yourself distracted and you try to think of, you know, ways to keep your mind occupied. And then when you have both, it's like this really bad internal battle of should I get up? Should I stay in bed? But it's like, if I stay in bed, then the anxious part of me feels guilty because I'm just sitting here in my thoughts, Mm -hmm. but like the press side of me, you know, doesn't want to do anything but lay here in bed all day. So it's a really bad inner battle that you face because it's two two totally different, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, two different spectrums that you're on. So, so it's sure. really hard when you deal with both. But I think once you find some things that, you know, that helps you cope, it becomes a lot better. And that and learning your trigger points, you know, like you have to learn what's going to set you off. And then if it does set you off, not, you know, dealing with it or trying to prevent it from completely harming you in a way. Like with, um, like I said, I have family that I completely cut off and it's because I realized that they were a huge trigger for me and yeah. And it sucks that it's family that you have to cut off. But at the end of the day, you have to be okay with yourself. Right. Your heart is the heart that you're going to have for the rest of your life. And you need to make sure that it's in an okay place and you can't love everyone else. If you can't take care of yourself first. And so even if you have to cut off people that you, you know, that are family that you've known your whole life, you need to make sure that you're okay. Because at the end of the day, you're the only person that's going to do that. Right. Exactly. You have to live your life and be able to. Exactly. And not be comfortable with it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, awesome. Dominique. Thank you, Dominique, for the time you spent with us. We really appreciate nope. it. Um thank you for sharing your story and even like the coping skills it was a great job like those some things that i didn't really think of i probably should have started guardian you should i encourage everyone to do it i've gotten a lot of my coworkers into plants and it makes me happy (laughs) yeah and it brings oxygen in the air (laughs) and it brings oxygen and that's like 
We already was talking about the chemical imbalance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we'll let you get back to your day. Um, Until next time, Dominique. Hopefully next time, you know, COVID isn't interfering with our phones and I can hear Patrick. (laughs) Right. Uh, All right. Thanks again. You're welcome. Bye, guys. So that was a that was a great job of her, like being able to come into the show and be able to explore her feelings. Um, And what's interesting about Dominique is that um, I know she didn't say it, but she is around that millennial age. And I know earlier Mm -hmm. at the introduction we talked about there's a difference between millennials and other generations. Yeah. Um, and people say that millennials or even kids that's born in a 2000, that's not true. <laughs> a millennial generation starts at 1981 to 1996. Everything after that, I don't know nothing about. <laughs> that's a different that's a different breed. Yeah, y'all young. With cats. that being said, <laughs> uh, and with that being said, uh, I will say that our experience with depression is a little bit different. There's a lot of research, um, especially by psychi- psychiatric institutions, um, as well as the American Society for Quality, has also published a lot of research saying that millennials are dealing with things that are a lot different. We're more open to how we feel. But one of the biggest things is social media and how it affects us as adults and individuals and how we deal with anxiety and depression and the causes of it. Would you all say that there's been times where you felt that social media has affected like your mental stability in any way? 100%. Yeah. (laughs) No question. (laughs) Uh, I would say like when I was, you know, getting my, um, my life back to, uh, back on track, uh, especially having not finished school. Like that was the the biggest thing for me. Like I used to have little, like a little anxiety because I mean we, everybody expects to be done with college in four years, even though it's not realistic in most cases. A lot it really has to be the perfect storm for that to happen. But after four years, every graduation ceremony was like like I'd be I'd be walking down uh, Jackson Street or or. Um, or Wisconsin street where I was going to school. And, and I'd know that like, that was what was going on. And I'm not, I'm not celebrating it for myself. And somebody's going to have a party and they're going to be like, Hey man, like I want you to be at my grad party. And I'm like, all right, dude, like I'll be there. And like, like, you know, come get turned up or whatever. But like, even that was just a, a way to mask being a little down and, and anxious about man. Like, am I ever going to get out of this place? <laughs> right. And, uh, but I mean, like, but as far as social media goes, uh, like you, that you see that progression as well. Like, oh, like they, they post, they got a job, new life event. Uh, oh, they bought a house, like, and, and you didn't. And everything just seems like w- when your life is either slowed down in certain departments, you really just have to like run your own race. Because if you start tripping about what everybody else got going on, you will get lost in the sauce and that anxiety and and depression will hit you like a truck. Yeah. And, uh, it hits you and you'll be so focused on everybody else. You're going to be in a relatively same position that you were a couple of years ago because you're so focused on competing. What do you realize that or not? You see some, like you said, you see some, like a lot of my friends are, you know, either approaching 30 or a few are in their thirties. 
Some have multiple kids and some, you know, jobs, houses. I don't got any of that. And, you know, for when I was, you know, in my low peers, I would always, when I would be on Facebook, I was like, oh, man, like, oh, they completed their master's degree. Oh, they're doing their, P, their, their PhD now. Oh, they're doing this and that. And I'm still stuck at um, here, not realizing that even this, the part of life that I was in was still in a lot better headspace and a lot better space than some people that were um, behind me or even older than me. But I was just looking at everybody on Facebook and everybody on IG who seems to be like progressing a lot faster than I was. So that was definitely a, 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 what led to, you know, depression and anxiety because I'm like, oh man, at one point I'm, sorry, I'm approaching 25 and I'm just now finishing college, not realizing that I joined the military and I did this and that, that uh, caused it to, you know, to delay, you know, my education. But like Craig said, um, it's actually really hard to get your degree in four years, even if you didn't have anything delayed, um, because all the requirements that are offered and all what you have to do. And so for me, social media, social media in the past was a very big influence on how I felt about myself and how I gauged, you know, my value or my success um, in my own life based on how other people seem to be living or portrayed their life on social media. Exactly, because it is just the highlights in everyone's life. So uh, you don't really see the journey and like the times where they, you know, had things not work out for them or things got delayed or they were feeling down and everybody's problems are real at whatever level they're at. Uh, It may not seem big to you, but it's huge to them because of where they're trying to get to. And just because by your own measurements, you might be behind them. Like if they were to show you that to you, that would like almost make you complacent and be like, oh, like, he ain't even doing that anyway. So that's why, like, people, they, I think this has been taken out of proportion, but everybody says, or what I, the saying I grew up with was, uh, oh, that's uh, like being a, a public success and a private failure. But, I mean, if you want to put yourself on blast, that's cool. And you can let everybody know when you, when you come up short or when you attempt something and don't make it. But I think it's good for your own mental health to be able to, to hide not hide, but like not have to let everybody know that when you put all this work in, you went and failed because like it can be embarrassing and, and devastating to you. So when you know your hand is perfect to go out there and, uh, and just execute. And now people know that, Oh man, he must've put in a lot of time. Right. Right. And I think that's a great point because um, it, with competing and competitors, and I'm sure you guys see this on social media a lot, you know, with, different followers you might have or friends or stuff that you see when you're scrolling on your news feed. A lot of people, they're trying to compete. So any little success they're posting or any little step to their ultimate goal, they're posting. And a lot of times I end up just kind of, you know, falling, you know, you know, to the wayside or something happens that hinders their progress. And then you don't hear nothing about it. They're like, Oh, i started this or I did this. And um, some people are just excited, but some people are doing it to show like, Hey, I am doing something with my life i'm not just sitting around because you know for whatever reason um they feel like they have to they probably you know suffer from the same stuff that i suffer from like wanting to compete with somebody with other people so they'll prematurely broadcast their success when it's not fully developed and then it kind of come crashing down um imploding on them Mm -hmm. i think those are really awesome points especially with the way social media and, and people's perception <clears throat> perception even outside of like the success i also um 
you all can correct me if I'm wrong, but it also has a big effect like on women too when they see edited pictures on Instagram models and they thinking that, oh, my body's not mm-hmm. like this or that. And then they're getting depressed because they think that uh, they need to have a certain body type or a certain image. I mean, it's a big thing in guys too that, um, Craig, you're, Craig is, for anybody that don't know, Craig does um, fight <clears throat> and he, he does mention in some of the episodes, but part of him being able to fight, and I'm only speaking because things have you told me, but part of him, he has to meet a certain weight class. He has to have a certain definition, mm-hmm. uh, and those type of things come into play. And when, not sure if he's experienced this or not, but when he has to look at other athletes that are in the UFC um, or doing MMA fighting, he's comparing his body, and it's possible to how they look and do I need to be this way? Right. Yeah, yeah. that body dysmorphia hits everybody. Uh, I mean, if you're, it's more specific to, any, I know a lot of bodybuilders and uh, people that do strength competitions and because I was constantly in the gym, so I'd meet a lot of those people and they're like, oh, like, like I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if my, like, if my traps are even big enough or, or my legs, dude. I have these chicken legs. These little calves are going to hurt me in comp. And it's like, dude, work with, you, work with what you got and they'll, they'll admire it because they, they see the effort, but but people really can't get past that because of what they think uh, the the peak looks like. Mm-hmm. And so when they see somebody else, they, they can't fathom that that possibly they could win because of how someone else looks. And you just you have to like I said, you have to run your own race, because if you don't, you'll get too caught up in and you'll lose yourself in what you got going on. Yeah, my uh, mom actually kind of and my pops kind of put me in line with that. They pretty much said, just mind your business. Uh, essentially like <laughs> don't worry about just like black just, like... <laughs> just right i mean they were a little more you know articulate but if you boil down the the conversation was pretty much just mind your business and focus on your own like you said craig focus on your own race and you know when i started doing that you know i wouldn't say that was the end all be all of my depression but that helped you know get me to a better mental head headspace that i'm at now was just focusing on me realizing that Bro, I'm not even 30 yet. Why am I tripping that I don't have this? I don't have that. There's no time restraint to have any of these things. I don't have to have this by 25 or this by 30 or 35. And I feel like we get fixated on that. Um, but that starts young because, you know, right after doing school, they always say you got to go to college. You got to go right away because if you take a year off, you're not going to go back, which, you know, there's a chance you might not, but there, there, you could, you know, so uh for me, it was just realizing that I was fine where I was at as long as I was progressing and, you know, following my own path and doing what I needed to do to, um, you know, live the life that I want to live, then I'm fine. I don't, I don't have to live for anybody else because at the end of the day, um, it's my life. It's not theirs. They have their own goals and ambitions and I have mine. Yes, exactly. Some people don't get that. And I think that also comes with like maturity and that's the development as a person because a person has to step back and like evaluate like who they are where they want to be um and it's have to realize that i'm not going to be the person that's uh i don't know that's that's playing in the nfl right now who lifts every day i mean i don't even lift every day but so i can't project myself to be that person just because i see what they look like on social media um i know we've been covering depression too but i also think of anxiety and how it affects on Mm -hmm. social media especially with so many people now spend so much time on social media and scrolling through that 
I can admit that at, at one point I didn't have no social media. And then one, I think around towards my later years in college, I got on social media and I started being on social media a lot more. Um, I had to recently, which I was telling um, Patrick about, was I had to put one of those uh, timers that come on iPhone where you can put it like where it shuts off certain apps because I was getting on social media way too much where I had to like start disciplining myself. And that creates its own anxiety where you want that fear left out or am I going to miss something or a party or this or that that may pop up on social media or the next new ad. Yeah. Have you all, what would you say like you all experience with that is like, yeah, I would, uh, what I ended up doing was just stop looking at stories on everybody on every app. So if you look at everybody's story on Snapchat, then you look at their story on Instagram uh, and you're following their Twitter feed. Like, like that's like the hub for your anxiety. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause it's everybody posting like what they think is like something cool in their life. And you, what you, what I realized that people don't recognize is when somebody's not posting something on there. When, unless they're super consistent like i know people always notice when i post a snapchat story because now i don't really do it uh right and and it's not like for any specific reason like like and just because somebody's you know being being silent on on a social media outlet doesn't mean that something's always wrong but it never hurts to check on somebody but i stopped looking at all this because it's everybody with that uh that that quick immediate gratification and like oh like oh we went to the uh the bucks game oh we went here we did this oh look what we're having for dinner and it's like like all the cool parts of their life which is what you should do so you can appreciate them but if you start looking at that you'll think that that's all that's going on in everybody's life and nobody's struggling and only you are uh agreed agreed and i think you hit on a good point when you said um just because somebody's not posting on social media uh, that doesn't mean always mean something's wrong. And mm-hmm. I agree because there's, you know, some of my guys who don't post like anything and then they'll show up and they, they moved or they, they on vacation or something. You just reach out to them like, Hey, how's everything going? Oh yeah, bro. I just closed on this. I just did this. They just, you know, yeah, the focus just, is elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the fo- exactly. The focus is, you know, it's elsewhere. It's not on social media. I'm not knocking anybody who decides to do that. You know, that, your prerogative, um, especially if you make money off it, make your money, you know, hustle, do what you got to do. I ain't knocking it, but you know, the people who aren't, it's not always because something's wrong. It's just because they, they have a different focus and, you know, they get on when they feel like it, but you know, they're kind of just usually taking care of business. And I've seen that from a couple of different, my guys who, um, you know, they reappear on social media and, you know, they're either in a new house or a new country or, you know, started a business or something like that. Yeah, it's unfortunate because some people spend so much time on social media um, and their anxiety, they don't even realize like it's how it's creating even social anxiety. And it, it gets to the point where you, not us, but most people end up not being able to even communicate in person. I mean, not saying that dating websites are horrible, but there's guys or even like girls that have never ever talked to anybody in person and they wouldn't even know how to talk to anybody in person as far as like if they tried to approach them on a dating or intimate mm-hmm. level, they wouldn't know what to say because the anxiety that they would have built up because they can be behind a computer or be behind a phone screen. They can be whoever they want to be, but in person, now they're nervous or they don't know what to say because they have social anxiety. Yeah. 
and it all came from social yeah. media. Exactly, because it's kind of it's easier to talk to somebody when you're behind the screen, whether it's to you know, you know, talk crap to them or whether it's to you know, talk you know to try to get with them. And then, like you said, in person is just it's just a different you know atmosphere, different animal. They see your body language, they see your eye contact, they see how you you know how you speak, the cadence in your speech, and all yeah, that. And it has to be immediate. That can give you, what, you you said what? I said it has to be immediate. Like you can't respond ten minutes later. Exactly. Exactly, where you thinking about it or looking up or calculating yeah, calcula- thoughts of exactly. it. Exactly. So I think that's a very solid point where a lot of anxiety does come um, from with social media and dating as well. For sure. Yeah, some people are like talking to a brick wall <laughs> in person, <laughs> yeah. at least. Yeah, you find out that man, you're a. Uh, I don't know if you're dense, but you're definitely not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's been times where, I mean, in the previous life, I'm like, who, like, you're a different person. I met you on blah, 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 blah site. I'm like, you were like the life of the party, the way you were telling me. And I'm like, now you're like, boo, boo. Like, who are you? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, yeah, that's a good one. So, what what are some, like, um, for our listeners and viewers, what are some positive coping mechanisms that, did we all use to uh, you use? We'll start with you, Javon. Did you use to kind of um, um, get out of that um, that mindset that you had, you know, when you were a kid, and that's that and that anger, let go of that anger. What did you do? For me, I did a lot of started working out. I I know that sports can a lot of people say sports, but I I didn't necessarily particularly really enjoy the whole sports aspect i enjoyed the discipline part of it Um, and the discipline part of it was that it was discipline in my mind to be able to have control over myself because even in a calculated sports you have to make every every decision you make usually is calculated even to catch a ball um in craig's situation like fighting he has to make a calculated move and be able to discipline himself Mm -hmm. to be able to make those moves so i think that was a big part of me using those sports part of the discipline part as well as like I started reading a lot more um and I started doing more research on people that like their success and what I mean by success is that people who started from the bottom and they went through horrible situations in life and how did they get themselves out of that and like what brought them to be who they are today and that kind of helped me be able to understand like hey these are ways that I can go about changing who I am I mean, and I did have, like, a good mom and grandma who also, like, would be hella supportive that helped me. Well, I say that therapy helped me. Uh, it, it helps everybody differently. As an adult, as an adult, I have, I do not feel the need to see a therapist, but that's just me personally. There's nothing wrong with people who still see therapists or mm-hmm. need to see therapists. But for me, I don't particularly see one um, because I haven't found the right connection with one. And So, for overall, that's my experience with it. It's just discipline, research, and I also have supportive friends like you two. If I if I'm having a problem, I will usually shoot one of these guys' message or some other boys, and they usually like there for me. Um, having a support system is big. I know Dominique talked about her kids. I don't have any kids to be able to jump back, so I just have my <laughs> friends, um, <laughs> parents. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. What what would you say? Uh, uh, for me, 
Uh, similar. I, I, I enjoyed sports actually a lot. Um, you know, track and football. I tried basketball, but you know, everybody can't be Muzzy Bowls. Just, it's just not going to happen. But, um, but, but I, I, I agree with it's that yeah, short yeah, exactly. It happens, you know, it's all good. Um, but I do agree with you with the discipline part definitely helped a lot. And even the military actually, helped me not so much the physical part i mean there that it was physically demanding but more mental it helped me realize that um i'm a lot i i can do pretty much anything i'm capable that put my mind to i know that sounds like no it is a cliche but it really is it, it really is a big thing and it really does make a lot of sense because there's things that i've done within my military career and then even from outside of from transitioning to the civilian side where I didn't think or I would want to do like talking in front of CEOs and CFOs, um, having the confidence and courage to do that. Me, years and years ago, uh, prior to, you know, dealing with my mental health and realizing my issues, I wouldn't be able to do that. There's things in the military I felt like that I weren't going to do, won't be able to finish or complete. And I was able to do that with no issues. So my outlet has been really like working out and, you know, in 2018 when it kind of like really like resurfaced and hit me really hard it's kind of a catch-22 but you know I didn't want to do anything but I had to force myself to do the things that I once loved and one of them was like running to clear my head you know hanging out with you two just you know kicking it with you guys or um just working out so you know I started slowly but surely like you know just going outside to get some forcing myself to go outside in front of my apartment then walk down the street you know to take a jog you know little baby step I didn't try to you know go full full speed right away and those are some things that kind of like helped me also talking to people I think you mentioned um about not really talking but seeing other people's story because I always thought with successful people that you know, essentially they were almost overnight success. Like they struggled for a bit, but it wasn't like real struggles. But there's a lot of successful people who have some really, really, you know, interesting stories and they struggled a lot. And hearing how they've overcame, you know, those struggles and those issues really helped me a lot as well. For sure. Sure, I appreciate that. Yeah, so I didn't realize you guys were going to talk about when you were actually younger and uh, like the inception of your uh of what you had going on within yourselves. But uh, I can recall that back in, I think, fourth grade, I was I was fighting the same kid every single day, like nearly every day at least. And and it was mistaken for me having anger issues. And I'm like, no, I, I'm not an angry person. I just don't like him. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, I, I fought him in the hall. I fought him on the, like, on the playground. I fought him during gym class. And, like what my parents and they were real sneaky about it uh we would go to church and someone that was a, like a child therapist uh would talk to me uh shout out miss davis uh she would come talk to me and like ask me like how things were like you know like how am i feeling and and i didn't like recognize them as probing questions to get like information out of me to find out if i'm angry all the time or what but that's what it was and um so i, I really get i didn't give her that much because there wasn't like I wasn't having issues and she finally recognized that and talked to my folks. And was like, yeah, like, like he's a smart kid. He's just, I think he's just having an issue with this kid at school. But um, what it was, and now that I'm older and recognize all those things, like he would do things that weren't like, like touching me. Like he wouldn't hit me. He would, he would say something stupid or he grabbed a book 
from uh from the box and would be like, "Hey, why, like you should read this one." And as the only black kid in the class, he holds up the uh the book showing like a bunch of African people on the page, and I was like, "I'll kill him." <laughs> and, and that's me in fourth grade. I, <laughs> I'm I'm turned. No anger issues. Just him because it was it was like always mounting over and over again. And so yeah. and what what it is is that like I just value instant justice. I, I love to see it. I love when people send me stuff like that. Like, oh, like the guy uh ran by and stole the person and then ran into a stop sign or some dude like tripped. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I just love to see it. But um that's part of why but I had to realize that I can't just like put my hands on somebody at, like when they when they do wrong and and that's my way to write the shit like and that's why being in martial arts and and I tried not to correct you when you say fighting because like it is what it is like we are we are fighting but it's it's martial arts because it's it's the disciplines of what you do and being disciplined enough to either let the other guy have his moment so that you can set up what you have to and you can't if you get caught with something good you can't just turn around and just start swinging for the fences because if he's still disciplined he'll make you pay for it and in jujitsu it's not about hitting it's about uh finding the submission and being in the uh, position that's going to to di- uh, incapacitate or to stop or or make them concede uh without just brute force because the stronger guy in the fight doesn't always win and usually doesn't because they, their muscles burn out so uh that's what has been the not a saving grace because I was never really in trouble, but it's been what I've been able to channel uh, my my need or my my urge to see that things are set right immediately. Uh, that I have to be patient in sometimes, and it just you know helps helps slow things down. And anybody that trains jujitsu will say jujitsu is life, and it sounds like a cliche, but honestly, it's just a microcosm for what it is. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, man. So I don't I don't do no gardening. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard I heard you trying to get a garden snap. But everybody got So and I want the audience to eventually share what they want, you know. Yeah, hit us up with some stuff that you guys think uh, uh helps you cope and get through things. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I was looking at a website called helpguide.org. It's like a psychology, a psychology. You got it, blood. (laughs) Get it out. Get it out. Psychology website. There we go. And, you know, just, you know, honing in on different tips and stuff to deal with, um, to handle depression um, some of it, obviously, is, you know, finding support groups and, you know, talking to somebody, not somebody that necessarily is there to fix you, but just listen to your problems. Because I noticed, you know, with some people who came to me with their different issues or uh, with their concerns or different things that were going on with their life that um, that me just listening, because I started asking, like, do you want me to respond? Do you need me to say anything? You want me just to listen? You know, sometimes like I just want you to listen. Other times they're like, no, I want to know your opinion on this. And I found that to be helpful with some of my other friends that have been going through, you know, the similar, you know, depression or anxiety, as well as, you know, finding an outlet or something like for us, it's, you know, all different things of so finding an outlet for yourselves, for the listeners, you know, finding some forcing yourself to kind of get out, even though it's really difficult, it's really hard. 
So forcing yourself to get out. And also the food you eat is actually um, a major thing too that um, we don't recognize. So like staying away from a lot of like sugary and carbs of as well. These are just different, you know, things that the website recommends to kind of like help. So, cause you know, especially during this isolation period, it's, you know, very difficult to really reach out to friends, to really um, reach out to family because everybody has, you know, their own um, things going on within this um, pandemic. So, you know, these are just ways that if you are struggling with it, definitely, you know, let somebody know, communicate that with somebody who you trust and um, that you feel would listen and, you know, start making baby steps. You don't need to be out of depression in a week, two weeks. There's no time limit. As long as you're making the steps forward, that's all that matters. I really, I really appreciate that, Patrick. Um, those were some good points that I was <clears throat> just thinking about. Um, you I'm always sorry, end up man. Me. I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We are. I, that's what I was just gonna say. We all be thinking we like do. a unit. We really do. Like I knew. Like I knew earlier, I was like, I know Craig's gonna say something about me. <laughs> I'm gonna keep saying fighting. You just stopped. That's why I was like, eventually, I, I eventually said USC. That's. Eventually, I was like UFC, MMA. I was getting yeah. to the rest yeah, of you... but I was like, yeah, it is what it is. Um, but I do appreciate um, you all sharing your stories, too. And I definitely appreciated Dominique sharing her story. Um, like you were just saying about eating healthy, um, not only eating healthy, but drinking alcohol. We, I know everybody dips and dabs with everything, but be mindful of those things. Be mindful of like how the effect it has on your body as well as like your mental st- stability. Because some people said that they like smoke to calm down, but some people get more paranoid. So be mindful. Treat your body like yes, a I, uh, I actually gave well. up smoking the reefer. Um, I'm not sure if it's uh, you know a permanent move, but it's definitely it's it's definitely indefinite. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh for the foreseeable future I won't be. And uh who knows, maybe maybe the perfect storm will come together and I will, but I just uh, I don't see that it'll be something. It's just not for me. Like the goal that people have uh hope to achieve by smoking is like my normal setting. So I'm not I don't need to enhance it because it really just like makes me bug out. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I I've had good times, but uh Significantly more stressful times. Than yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say something. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think that th- those are some great suggestions. Um, I want the audience to eventually, over time, I know on Anchor, you can leave us voicemails. I gave out the email earlier, but we can give it out again. Um, I'll let Patrick give you all that information before we get out of here. Um, this is King Javon. I this is uh Santiago. I was saying they go named Patrick. You know, this... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pat, Pat this guy. <laughs> nah. Neither light skinned nor sixty, but, uh, but all right, Pat Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean close enough to it. <laughs> no, not even, but it's uh but um no, yeah, like uh King Javon said, the uh the email you could use is uh who hurt you eight four seven at gmail dot com. We definitely encourage our viewers and listeners to um, reach out with questions, comments, you know, anything subjects you want us to hit, anything you want to see differently, you can definitely shoot them over to the email and we will re- address them in f- future episodes. And I'm Craig Mack. Hit us on our email, who hurt you, 847 at gmail.com. 
Peace. Yeah, I, it sounded like a question, so yes. <laughs> and no, we all slipped. It's all good, someplace. and we'll we'll have an IG so, account yes. created soon. Um, that is coming, you guys. Uh, uh, we're, we're gonna have that for you as well. Most definitely. Thank you again uh, as, for all the support, all the viewership. Yeah, we, we do really appreciate it. Yeah, y'all, I. Right. <laughs> no. This.